Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord Jesus, come and take over. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. I want to welcome you to tonight's session of Word for Now. My name is Francis Eber Jr. And okay, we're still live. Good. Just want to make sure. All right. Um, on behalf of Pastor Francis Eber, I want to welcome you to tonight's session. Um, we are trusting the Lord for a blessing. Um, let me see here. And get this camera rolling. And there we go. Awesome. All right. Hallelujah. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Francis Seabor Jr. I'm a member of the Cable Dillon community. And I'm going to have Pastor Francis Seabor and Pastor Chinere Seabor. Am I muted? I am not muted. That's good. I want to welcome you to tonight's session. Hallelujah. Um, I think a word of prayer will be in order as I get this all good to go. Yes, we are. Awesome. I am going to ignore that. I'm going to silence my phone too because we don't want interruptions. Hallelujah. How did you break through? My other phone. There we go. It sounds that too. There we go. Awesome. All right. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for all you're doing in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you for what you're doing in the church. Thank you for what you're doing on the inside of us, Lord God. Thank you for what you're doing in our community, Lord Jesus. We want to bless your name, bless your heart, Lord God, and let you know, Lord God, that we are, we're not only interested in facilitating what you're doing, but we are grateful for what you're doing, Lord Jesus. We are not just grateful, sorry, for what you're doing, but we want to facilitate, we want to be a part of, we want to partner with you, Lord God, in what you are doing in us, Lord God, and everlasting Father, in our midst corporately, Lord Jesus, in, in us personally, in our midst corporately, everlasting Father. We want to be stewards of the operations of God. We don't want to be passive, um, bearing witness to what you're doing passively, but everlasting Father, we want to be martyrs who are giving up our lives so that we can be a part of what you're doing. We want to, be, we want to surrender, Lord God, to, to the to the waves, Lord God, to the to the I feel this um the billows, Lord God, uh, um to the sway, Lord God, of the influence of your Holy Spirit. We want to be we want to be victims, everlasting Father, of all that you're planning to do, Lord God. We want to be we want to be the ones that suffer the the first collision, everlasting Father. Collisions, Lord God. We say thank you, Lord God, because we we get to be a part of all that you're doing. We get to be blessed by it too, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Evening, everyone. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Really grateful that you take time aside and hang out together in the word. Hallelujah. Um, I want to continue from where we stopped last week. I'm looking through my notes here. And last, last place I stopped, um, we spoke on, for lack of better words, I say that a lot, but um, basically we were trying to show how what we call um, the mark of the beast um, it's actually a climax um, of, of, a, of a building or a climax of a buildup, sorry, that had been going on for several generations. And what had been going on for several generations was actually a, a progressive um, molding or sculpting of human civilizations um, through the dominions of several dark princes each of which had a specific period of time to leave behind their branding. So what was gonna be happening is that when Babylon, which is the third kingdom on our list, has finished doing its branding, when its time has finished, then comes the Persian kingdom. And its assignment, the prince of Persia had, has its assignment um, in branding the human soul. Like when I say the human soul, I mean all of humanity, the entire 
human um, um, construct, like all of our civilization, we're going to receive that mark, that branding, that molding, that sculpting, that conformity. And when that has finished, the next one takes its place, um, which would be the, um, the Prince of Greece or the Kings of Greece. And then you keep on going on and on and on. And the purpose of all of these um, kingdoms, um, for what we said last week, is that the end goal was so that when you receive the impartation that Babylon brings, receive the, the gifts of, of Persia, receive um, the wisdom of Greece, receive um, um, what Rome has to offer, and receive you know, um, the mark, you know, what is the climax of everything, which is called the mark of the beast, the final scar that the kingdom of the Antichrist will bring, what you will end up with is a kind of human being. Amen? The Bible speaks in um, Revelations 13. We can go there. Just a quick, um, quick refresher. Revelations 13. When describing the mark of the beast, the Bible says, it is the number of a man. And this man's number is 660 and 6, right? Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, right? And his number is 666. Hallelujah. And so we explained that um, even this was not unique um, to the kingdom of the Antichrist. We've explained before that actually the mark of the beast is a climax also of something that was um, a, a um, something that was progenated, brought forth initially by Cain, resurrected at the Tower of Babel, and overall human civilization in pursuit of that top, right? Whose peak reaches it to heaven? Humanity has been in pursuit of that peak, all right, where they'll be able to interface um, with all the hopes and dreams and aspirations they've been looking for. Humanity, um, because of the, um, the image and likeness of God that humanity has, we, we are always constantly in pursuit of bigger and better and, and, yeah, overall bigger and better and more everything good, right? Yeah, bigger and better, that's it, yes. And um, in reaching for all of these things that we're reaching for really... Um, had Satan not perverted our senses of judgment and discernment would have been for the tree of life. But instead, humanity runs away from the tree of life when, whenever we see him coming, looking for how to escape, escape him. And instead, we find ourselves running towards, the Bible says, there's a way to seem right, right to a man, but the end of the path is death. Hallelujah. So um, all these things being said, that climax, all right, of what all the kingdoms of this age right are doing is to mold or sculpt a kind of person papa explained this during word for now sometime last year i can't remember what period of time exactly um as a man that is basically a puppet and each of the kingdoms of this world what they do is that they firmly attach um puppet strings to a facet of your soul so that in different situations this world can tug on you and you will respond because you have received that impartation, right? You've received that conformity, right, to that the Prince of Persia was bringing. The Bible says we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high or heavenly places. And their function, their goal, right, is to ensure that these puppet strings are firmly attached on every member of human society. In fact, they make it so that your desire to be civilized would mean inserting these puppet strings to your soul, right? And you see, I remember when I was a kid, when I was a young boy in, in high school, um, 
Um, it was cool to know all the new songs, no matter the consequence of, of listening to these you know, horrible songs. Because at that point in time, the cool songs were explicit songs, songs where people spoke about um, objectifying women and, and smoking weed and, and committing crimes and really a very, <laughs> a huge downgrade on life as I knew it back then, you know, to be honest with you. But because you want to be so cool, you will put yourself in a line of fire and then you get shot. <laughs> um, hallelujah. The Bible says you're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you partake, right? Unless you receive that branding unless you receive that scar, unless you are sealed with the spirit of the Antichrist until you take the mark of the beast. Hallelujah. And we use all of that to show us that the mark of the beast was not, is not really the first thing that, um, was not the first sealing um, um, that was ever in the heart of anyone, really. That the first, the mark of the beast was a perversion of what God had in mind. And we use scriptures like Ephesians chapter one, where the Bible says that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise Amen. It was the earnest, the deposit of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. And we explained that this first deposit is one of many. That first deposit is Passover. Amen. You receive that when you gave your life to Jesus. But there's meant to be subsequent, amen, deposits of your inheritance. And all of these are laid out for us as believers in what we call the seven beasts of Israel. Amen. So just like how we had the seven kingdoms of this world or of this age, we have the seven feet of the Lord of Yahweh. And God was very particular to tell Israel, these feasts are mine. And there's a reason why he said that, because God's desire right, is to get us to the peak of Zion civilization. And then, you're, you know, we're going to show this in many different ways. I have in my notes here. Technically, my notes for some reason are not coming up. I think that's so fascinating. But anyways, I'll keep this going, okay? I'm only seeing my notes from like, what What day was this now? Yeah, September 21st. That is not recent at all, but we'll trust the Lord to deliver us from whatever internet controversy is taking place here. Amen. But but yes, um, um, you would see that um, all of the different, um, the seven feasts, okay? They present a unique measure of conformity with the image of Jesus. And all of them are tangible, potent impartations, um, feastings of the spirits of God that are meant to bring us into measures of conformity with the anointed one. That word anointed one or Christ, okay, Christ, the Messiah, where we get the word, where the word Christian, you know, came from means like Christ, right? We're actually Christ, we're not like Christ, amen? We're meant to look like him, yes, because we are one with him, amen? I explained this once before that because of God's form, God doesn't exist as separate entities, really, amen? Um, his form is unicellular, for lack of better words. Um, that's the reason why any attribute of God that finds expression is itself animated, is itself God. So when God's wisdom is finding expression, it's him. When his power is finding expression, it's him. It's because it's, he's all one and the same. But in that form that he's in, creation, no creature can interact with him in that estate, except for one creature. And that creature is called the new creation man. Amen? Hallelujah. And so because of God's desire um, to, be, to be experienced, to be known, to be interacted with, he allows himself um, to be, um, for lack of better words, um, manifest in creation 
um, through the Trinity, through the Godhead. Amen. Um, I'm saying all these things because our union with God, our becoming like Jesus actually speaks about our union with God. Amen. So it's not like you're becoming like him so you can function separately from him. That's not possible because his form, amen, that image and likeness, it means that you are being connected to something. You are being joined to something. Amen. And this is why Jesus Christ would say some things like the son of man doesn't do anything he doesn't see his father doing. He wasn't speaking that way because he just loves his dad. That is, a, that is the form that he took. Uh, it's very important that we understand that images, forms, amen, um, um, heritage, they do something to you. I think I explained this last week as well. I spoke about this TV show I used to watch when I was a kid called Dragon Ball Z. Um, actually, I never watched it when I was a kid. I watched it, I couldn't watch it as a kid. So when I, uh, I went to college, I binge watched it with a few of my friends. But um, in that show, you have these creatures called Saiyans. They have a lot of power, a lot of supernatural power. Um, but there's limits to that power that they can have access to at different points in time. And to break, to remove those limitations, they would transform. And in the new forms that they go, Super Saiyan 1, Super Saiyan 2, Super Saiyan 3, they're able to tap into even deeper wells of power that they in prior transformations were unable to. And basically, um, if you look at the show, it seems like they have an infinite um, well of power, simply because they just keep on transforming and transforming and transforming. And what's happening, they keep on pursuing and pursuing even greater you know, volumes, um, greater voltages, greater thresholds. The same thing with our Christian walk, amen? Um, what, what's happening is that we are discovering, as we keep on getting more conformed to the image of Christ, we're discovering that we are even more united, more united, more united with God until we achieve a form where there is now no separation between us and God. Amen. We lose ourselves in God. Jesus found himself in that estate, right? Right before he died, I would say that he knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He was surrounded by God. Hallelujah. And this is what um, we're after. And I'm saying all these things because the very last feast, amen, the climax, just like how the mark of the beast is the climax of human civilization away from God. The climax of the seven feasts is called the Feast of Tabernacles, amen, where God dwells with humanity, where our union with God is impossible to be denied, amen. Um, um, the Bible says, the Spirit of Christ say, come, and that cry is fulfilled as we partake of that feast, amen. Now, I'm going to share some things um, that might require you to just either trust that what I'm saying is true or at least take enough notes so you can do research and you can come back to this message later on. Hallelujah. Um, and so um, bear with me as I share things that I can prove, but because of time, I'm just going to go out and say them, okay? So some of the things I'm going to be saying, um, they're tied to the sequence of the end of, of the ages captured in the book of Revelation. I strongly believe the book of Revelations is a sequential book from um, basically from the beginning to the end. It's an epistle, yes. And in the epistle, um, some things are directly addressed in the first um, three chapters. But from the fourth chapter onwards, it seems like um, Jesus Christ shows them the consequence of, of overcoming, how it'll play out if they overcame, basically. And we know they didn't overcome because, well, many of the things that he promised never happened, right? They settled for for replicas. If you check all the items Jesus Christ promised them, you know, a city, um, <laughs> so this message sending messages, it stands for the dominion of God, <laughs> as in taking over real estate and property. So that's what the chess pieces mean. It would be a picture of, of um, warfare and strategy. I just use that as a little um, token there or prop. 
represent that. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is represents like word for now. So the time and here's the my menorah piece right there. Obviously, that's a symbol of understanding and wisdom and the plant's life, um, the mirror of God's word, I guess. <laughs> and this also ties into our conference that we just completed. Um, Christ, the blueprint of the future ages. Hallelujah. I st I'm still shocked. I don't see my notes. That's incredible. So we're just going to have to trust the Lord to help us out, huh? So when you look at that narrative from Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 22, what you're seeing is a sequence of events that's going to lead us, amen, to the next age. In fact, you actually see a cut into the first age of the future ages. The reason why the ending of this age is so critical is because this is the only age where sin will exist. And sin, is, it seems to, you know, put like a dampen what God is doing, amen, what God is trying to do. And this first age is all about getting rid of sin, as in destroying the, the agents or agencies of sin, that's one. And the next age, the second age, um, primarily be will be dealing with removing all of the scars of sin, as in, yes, all the scars of sin. The Bible says um, the leaves of the tree of life will be for the healing of the nations, all right? This is where we begin to subdue all of creation and everything is brought into alignment with the will of God. A measure of that happens in this present age, all right? But there's going to be entities that still will have the bruises of this present age. I'm speaking about other believers who never got to experience all of these feasts that we're talking about. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, a major thing I want to present to everyone here is this, okay? The... Um, there are these um, obviously um, headliner um, items you see in the book of Revelation, and they are the, um, the book of life, the seven seals of the book of life. Amen. That's one. And um, just for reference, I am making reference to every book in the book of Revelation that is, um, that is hinted as being mystical or being whatever. I'm making reference to that, that, all of them as the book of life. Okay. So I'm making reference to the book in Revelation chapter five. As the book of life, I'm making reference to the book that the angel brought in Revelation chapter 10. As the book of life, I'm making reference to the um, book spoken about in Revelation chapter 22 and 21 as the book of life, okay? And I believe they're all one and the same. You might have a different um, perspective on that, but I just want to um, um, forgive me as I present something that might seem contrary, okay? I'm not seeking to enforce my beliefs on anyone. I just, I'm just hoping that we can see something through this perspective, okay? I'm really hoping that what I have is not just a perspective or an interpretation of scripture, but revelation, amen? And how do we know this? Um, as we dive, dive deeper into these things, a deeper well of knowledge, first of all, by knowledge, I mean experience, okay? We have more experiences of the life of God as a consequence of revelation. And then two, um, revelation leads to revelation, right? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So one good way to see if what you're seeing is from God is checking how does the rest of the Bible work with this? Where is the synergy um, in the scripture of truth? Hallelujah. Use all of these little check marks to see if, all right, am I, do I have this, did I have the spirit of God when I was, you know, going about this? Was it God that gave this to me or was it just some, uh, you know, perspective alone, right? We don't want to be in that place. Hallelujah. So um, um, again, so um, the seven seals of the book of life, all right, is a major um, theme, right? Specifically in Revelation chapter six, um, technically six, seven, and eight. Okay, technically the entire book, but from um, six down but, um, or five down, but basically you're, you're seeing attention drawn to the seven seals, mostly in six, seven, and eight. Okay, Revelation six is when the first six seals are opened and the opening of the seventh seal starts in chapter eight. Okay, 
Um, then from chapter eight, we, we see the seven trumpets, okay? The seven trumpets start from Revelation chapter eight, and they continue to Revelations chapter 11 when the seven trumpets sounds, okay? The first six trumpets, they sound from eight till nine, all right? So eight to nine are for the first um, six trumpets. That's broken up into two parts. There's the first, um, um, fourth, um, first five, five, no, first four, yeah, first four. Or first three, then the second three, then the final, no, 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 last three, it's four. So there's three woes, first woe, yeah. So first four trumpets, then we have the three, um, the three final trumpets that represent the three woes. And then um, you're going to then have the bowls of wrath. And for some reason, the bowls of wrath all happen at the same time. And that's in Revelation chapter 16, I believe. Hallelujah, let me just confirm that real quick. Amen. Um, I want to encourage you to be very, very familiar. Familiar here, I mean like, reread many books of the Bible so that you have not just memory verses memorized, but you have an understanding of what the entire book is saying. Every epistle in the Bible, right, is saying one thing. And if you miss what they are saying there, we end up with a lot of the things, perspectives that we have scattered, right, you know, in every, for example, the book of Romans is saying one thing, okay, the book of James is saying one thing, one thing, what's he thinks? <laughs> one thing, okay? The book of um, First Corinthians, right? All of these epistles, except for, I said the Corinthians, you can kind of see like Paul is answering questions about stuff, you know, like um, in the Corinthian church, for example. Now, a major one is that they didn't let women speak in their churches and Paul rebuked them for that, right? Um, you see um, the discussion about um, marriages in First Corinthians chapter seven, right? Questions about um, idols, even food sacrifice to idols, and then questions about sp spiritual gifts in chapter 11, sorry, um, in First Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, okay? Um, and on, on, and on. So the seven trumpets, okay? I'm saying all these things because with that understanding of what, you know, reading entire epistles from beginning to the end, you get a proper understanding of what is being said because the truth is that the epistles were never divided into chapters and verses. Translators did that. And they introduced those for reference sake, not so to br have breaks in our Bible studies, right? When we're, when we're devouring the word, Yes, there's times when the Holy Ghost will have a zero in on a portion of scripture and we you know, stay put, we stay in there and we dig and we dig and we dig and we eat and we feast and we enjoy ourselves. But you wanna make sure that you're also having a proper um, bird's eye view of everything you're reading. And sometimes that looks like you reading the entire epistle several times over. So you know exactly what it's saying. Many people do not know what the Bible is saying, the entire book itself, amen? Let's talk of, <laughs> okay. All right, so seven trumpets, okay? Then you have the bowls of wrath, Revelation 16. I was correct, yes. Hallelujah. Now, I wanna say something, okay? The seven seals, okay? The seven trumpets, okay? And the seven bowls of wrath are the same exact thing. I'm gonna say this again. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls of wrath are exactly the same thing. Now, what's happening is that the reason why they seem to manifest and have different consequences whenever they are unsealed or blown or poured out is simply because each of these are targeting three different entities, okay? This is very crucial to the Book of Revelation, okay? I'm sharing these things because, um, not because I'm trying to show you just what the Book of Revelation is saying. I discovered that a lot of things that, a lot of things that the Lord had been showing me in the Book of Revelation for a while are actually tied to the experiences that we had during the conference, like the coming of Kenneth Hagin, coming of Moses in particular, and John Baptist, okay? Um, these witnesses, when they came and brought forth their witness at different points in time throughout the conference, um, yes, they came to give us impartations. 
that were, you know, they're received in a more, um, yes, with your faculties being alert, you know, to realm of the spirits and the spirit of God and what he has to download. But I want to encourage you to understand that many of the things that they, they brought with them are also meant to be taught, right? Some of them are meant to be obeyed, amen? Some of them are meant to be seen as in visionary, through visionary experiences. Some are meant to be experienced or as in felt, okay? Some are meant to be lived out as in you find yourself living out, you know, a portion of the scroll, amen? Who gets what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So um, what I've seen though is that when, when all of these witnesses are coming one by one, it wasn't very hard to see that, oh, many of these things here, they tie in very perfectly. Now, it might not be difficult to see everything all at once right now, but if you stay put and you're diligent and you're spending time in prayer, you're going to see all the pieces fit together very seamlessly. A lot of things that happen in the realm of the spirit, they seem disjointed and, and uh, maybe even confusing when we don't have a proper understanding of what God is doing. But when we have a better bird's eye view, right? And we are familiar with the things that he's done in the past. That when he's doing something new, even though it is new, it wouldn't seem like it's out of nowhere, right? Because what's happening is that the spirit of God is weaving this beautiful, you know, fabric, this tapestry of Jesus Christ. But you can look at the threads of all the different things happening in your life internally and then in, in the church corporately. And you can trace out what God is doing. So when he does something, it doesn't seem like it's on a different curve altogether. It's still on the same gradient, right? It's still on that same slope, right? And you can trace it out. Okay, this is still the same equation we're going with here, right? The equation of C-H-R-I-S-T, Jesus Christ, amen? Hallelujah. So each of these things, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls of wrath, okay? They are actually, I'm gonna explain this like this, okay? Measures of the spirits of God that are meant to be released upon specific individuals, okay? The seven seals are meant to be given directly, let me say it like this, okay? In a way that I think would help, hallelujah. The individual we refer to as the man-child company. If you've been in the cave for a while, you're not unfamiliar. This is a very familiar word. The man-child company is not a special group of individuals per se. Okay, they are really just serious Christians. Christians who are very serious, who are taking their walk with God very seriously. I've made reference to individuals that will go up on the mountain to be with God. Right, the, the invitation to priesthood, organic priesthood that um the Lord gave through Moses to the children of Israel when he invited up to Mount Sinai. Okay, that invitation is still there up till now. In fact, the entire book of Revelation is about getting the church to Mount Zion. That is what all of the, I mean, if you see it, it makes perfect sense if you can see it. The things like, you know, being clothed in white linen, you know, the, the white linen of the righteous acts of the saints. You would see all of Old Testament scriptures, so many things popping up. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. And what do you see this, you know, as a description of the man-child company when they arrive at the, at the scene in Mount Zion in Revelation chapter 14? You know, they're undefiled by women, right? They have no guile. They're clean. They're pure. They don't tell lies. All of these things are, are, are retelling of Psalms 24 and, and Exodus 19 when God, told, when God told Moses to tell the people to wash their clothes and wait until when he shows up, okay? Hallelujah. So anyways, each of these seven things are seven measures of the spirits of God administered to unique individuals. The first seven, which is the seals, are administered to the man-child company. Hallelujah. They administered directly to the man-child company. Amen. And the fruit of the receiving of all of these things 
right, is that progressively the name of God is spelt on the forehead on the right hand of the man-child company. Amen? You are not going to be seeing any Christians. Maybe prophetically you might, but in real life, as in when you're looking around, you're not going to be seeing any Christians with anything on their forehead on their right hand. Amen? What you're going to be seeing is people who are living more like Jesus. If I'm going to be seeing also people who are going through tribulation, difficult times, to be honest with you. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, when the man-child company has, has received, at the very least, the ministration of the unsealing of the first six seals. Please hear me out when I say this, okay? The unsealing, what, what I refer to as the six seals, is not, or the seven seals, sorry, it's not that they're going to be sealed seven times per se. I explained this before that each of the, the unsealing that the lamb does, that Jesus Christ does in book of Revelation chapter six, please hear me out when I say this, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna come off as knowing as though I have the authority to say what I'm saying, okay? Forgive me if you don't think so, okay? And I'm not saying that I do. I'm just telling you what I believe the Lord is showing me, okay? But I'm saying it, I'm saying it without, um, um, I believe very strongly in what, what I'm saying is the truth. Let me put it like that. I will be very surprised. And I'm, I'm always open to receive correction from the Lord, but I'm going to be very surprised what I am saying is wrong. And I know that when I'm, when I'm saying this, I don't, have much of, I don't have much authority in the church world per se to make these statements. But hear me out when I'm saying this, okay? I will be very surprised if I am wrong. And I, and I mean very surprised. I am going to be very shocked. I've had many experiences that confirm everything I'm saying, okay? The, the difference though is that when, when, these, when these things come, there's usually some kind of, there's some experiences that I've not had yet to affirm some of these things, but I'm very sure what I'm saying, if that makes sense. And the rest of scripture seems to confirm my major source of authority when I speak really is not really um, authority as in a crown on my head per se or anything like that, but the fact that the rest of the scripture agrees with everything I, I think I'm seeing. Does that make sense? So unless for it to be different, which is good for me if I am wrong and I discover that I am wrong, that's good for me, then that means that, wow, I get a new lens to look at the scriptures. I hope all this makes sense, okay? I'm saying this so no one will feel uncomfortable that, hi, you're changing my belief system. That's okay. If you don't believe what I'm saying, that's totally fine. Just make sure you're not being subjective when you're applying the lens you're using to look at scripture. Make sure you, you, your lens, you read the entire Bible through that lens, if that makes sense. Okay. Moving right along. The seven seals, okay? If you read the book of Revelations and you look at the consequence of the unsealing of the book, it would look like the consequence of the seal on the book is going to, um, um, the consequence is going to be a, a, a release of worldwide uh, um, wars and, and famine and different things. And in many ways, that is true. As the book has been unsealed to the man-child company, there's going to be a consequence, ripples all over creation. Our last prophetic conference, not the Watchmen, but the Open Heavens Conference, really hammered that in, that the things that are happening inside of us, amen, they are meant to be um, um, pointers to what's going to be happening outside of us, amen? So if God is dealing with us on the inside, it's because he wants to deal with something on the outside, okay? So if, if for example, the Lamb on seals the scroll and is a personal experience of the man-child company, because they're allowing the Lord to deal with them with that much severity, there's going to be a manifestation externally as well, okay? And the second reason why I'm saying all these things is because I strongly believe the seven, okay, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls of wrath, all of them, all right, are, for lack of better words, they are pointing to the seven feasts of Israel, okay? I can show this to you in so many different ways, but I'm just going to keep on talking, all right? Hallelujah. Okay. No one has run away yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. 
So the seven seals, okay? They are not, please hear me out, okay? They are not these, please hear me out what I'm saying this. And I'm saying this again, understanding, understand what I'm saying here that when I'm saying there are not going to be external things happening, I'm not saying there, there's not going to be external consequences because I already explained that things happening internally in the lives of the man-child company would happen externally. And when I say a serious Christian, a serious Christian is not someone that people say is a serious Christian. You do not know if I am a serious Christian or not. It is God that knows. Who understands what I'm saying? Amen? These things are not determined by what people are saying about you. You know where you are standing. And if you are deceived, I am sorry for you. <laughs> Amen? That's the worst thing in life. Amen? Jesus Christ said all throughout, every time, everything about the end of the ages, he warned people, make sure you're not deceived. So don't think that because you prayed yesterday, or you read your Bible this morning, that you're part of the man-child company. It is as a consequence, all right, of taking your Christian walk seriously. You actually want this life to develop. You are feasting on God. That's the best way I can describe it. You are feasting on God. Amen? You might be having prophetic encounters, but you are not feasting on God. There is a huge difference. Some encounters come because of your calling. You have to make sure that you are actually going through the diligence of exercising yourself in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. If you are not doing that, exactly, know where you stand, yes, okay? Hallelujah. If you're not exercising yourself in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, do not be surprised if what you're going to get at the end of the ages, right, is commendation for an excellent prophetic ministry, which is beautiful, amen? That's wonderful. But the inheritance that Christ has for us is much bigger than what your prophetic ministries covers. I've explained before that what every member of the body of Christ is giving is given or a portion to express, amen, is only a measure. I said it before when I spoke about the spelling of the name of Jesus, amen? You are meant to have Jesus, his entire name branded inside of you. But when you do that, that is going to allow you to spell a letter of his name. Does that make sense? So you see Jesus, he has the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's downloaded all of God, but he cannot express all of God the way the rest of the body is he needs the rest of the body to be able to express all of God. Does all this make sense? Christ by himself cannot express all of God. This is not blasphemy. The Bible says we are, we are his fullness. We complete him. Amen? He needs us, amen, to spell out the name of the Lord. Now, he spells out the Godhead, right? He spells out the head of the church. Um, we see that in Ephesians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1 as well, right? He's the head of the body. But the rest of the body is necessary for the rest of the spelling of the name of God. And without the rest of the body, the heathen will continue to ask, where is our God? Amen? Now, to, for that question to stop being asked, the fullness of Christ has to be seen. And the fullness of Christ is you and me, beloved. Hallelujah. And we come into this by him writing his name inside of us. If I can I say something? Hallelujah. The writing of the name of the Lord inside of us, amen, speaks about, hallelujah, please hear me out, okay? Hallelujah these feastings of the spirit of god that the seven feasts represent amen we must dine okay dine on the lord for lack of better it's kind of like eating cheerios you know these these the, um alphabet alphabet cereal you know this, that uh, children's breakfast cereal that has letters of the alphabet amen as you're feasting on god you are eating all of these letters all right and as they're going inside of you they are spelling out the name of god amen there is a measure amen of this of of these of these um or what it, what it, what they call recommended daily um servings right or recommended daily allowance like a measure you're meant to take every day everyone's meant to take like so many gallons of water every day so many 
um, how many vitamins you take every day, how many grams of, of iron, of calcium, and all these things, okay? Recommended daily intake, okay? There are portions, amen, of the spirits of God, amen, necessary for different stages of development, en route to that final destination of conformity with the image of Jesus Christ. If we do not actually partake of these meals, you will not, I'm going to say it again, you will not manifest the fullness of Christ. It doesn't matter how much God loves you, amen? God loves you with all of his heart. And so because of that, he gave you everything necessary to make sure you manifest all of this. And I believe that this teaching is one of the things that the Lord made available, amen? As well as many other teachings, hallelujah, <laughs> amen? Okay, so these seals, amen? It is not like Jesus Christ is sealing them per se, but hear me out when I say this, the seven seals correspond to measures of the spirits of God. Why do I keep on saying that over and over and over again? I'm saying it because I want us to understand something. Each of the seven seals, Jesus Christ removing the seven seals from the book of life, it's not like he's actually unsealing the book of life. Please hear me out, okay? It is not like he's actually unsealing the book of life. The book of life is going to remain sealed for all of eternity. You know what the book of life is? Your spirit man. I'm going to say it again. You know what the book of life is? The book of life is the new creation man, the transcript of new creation man. I can describe, again, I've explained this before that these things, spiritual things, they come not by form, but by functionality, amen? The book of life is the index, the chronicle of the life of God, amen? And we are, our names are meant to be inside of that thing, amen? But for us to read our names in there, it has to be unsealed. Now, the book does not get unsealed, really, even though the prophetic narrative in the Bible suggests that. Instead, what happens is that we gain the ability to decrypt the contents of the book. I hope everyone understands what I just said now. Now, this ability to decrypt the contents of the book of life is obtained can only be obtained by these measures, amen, of impartation of the spirits of God. Without these impartation of the spirits of God, you will not be able to, to I almost said exactly what the book of life was, right? You will not be able, amen, to experience the unsealing of the book. Let me show you what, um, what I'm trying to say here, amen? Because when we say the book of life, we think in the mind, there's one big book you have to read. <laughs> the book of life is the life of Jesus Christ, to live like him. The problem is that when you say that, what comes to your mind is walking around and loving people. How you doing? How you doing? Everyone's doing good. And that's good, right? And it's all good and well. But hear me out when I say this, okay? Jesus Christ, to live out his life, he needed the spirit without measure. He had to complete measures, amen, of infillings. When I say infillings of the Holy Spirit, I'm not limiting it to the baptism experience you, um, when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? That is a very powerful impartation that you're meant to receive as a, child, as a child of God, amen? But there are deeper measures, amen? Remember the Ezekiel vision? When the angel measured out to him, what, a thousand, ten thousand cubits, Amen? There are deeper measures of the spirits of God beyond what you have ever experienced before. I know what I am saying, amen? There are measures of the spirits of God so strong, amen, that your ability to, um, um, to question what God is saying can be taken away from you by virtue of that intoxication. If you do not partake of that thing, that ability, amen, to resist what God is saying to you, to argue his instructions can hinder you when the life of God instructs you to live in a specific way. Is everyone listening? I've explained this before that whenever feast dates come, there is a measured offering, a way you're meant to respond to God. If you do not bring forth 
that appropriate response if you're not able to live out that life a good example of this is someone offends you a dear brother or sister in christ offends you bitterly all right and this offense okay the life of god requires that you let go of that offense if you have not been feasting on god you are going to find it difficult to do it doesn't matter you you can you can christianize your offense who understands what i'm saying you can make your offense look look like you're fine People ask, are you offended? I'm not offended. But in your heart, you are wounded. These things are real. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get a point across here that these things are real. We can't just skip over these things and act like we don't need them. Does that make sense? We can't pretend like we don't need these impartations that I'm doing just fine right now. Let me just, you know, I'll just love people. When the offense comes, I'll forgive them, Shah. You know, that is not how, that is not, that is not the way God has prescribed that we come into the fullness of Christ. We come into this fullness, we manifest this fullness by feasting on the spirits of God. If you do not feast on the spirits of God, you are going to have symptoms, amen, of ignorance, amen, symptoms of a lack of knowledge. The book of life is going to be cryptic, amen. You're going to need to, it's going to be cryptic to you. You'll not be able to read it. Um, um, I think, um, what is it now? Isaiah 29 is going to help us out here, okay? Hallelujah. Is everyone understanding what I'm saying? I hope what I'm saying is not confusing. Amen. I'm just going to keep on going no matter what y'all say. <laughs> Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. Okay. Now, what's actually happening here is that people are experiencing an intoxication, and this intoxication is coming from this world, from Babylon. Amen. Bible says Babylon is a drink, is a cup in the hand of the Lord. Okay. The nations drank and they were mad. The insanity that this world came into, amen, if you look at it, it would not look insane, okay? Because we are used to it. It is what we call civilization. If you look at how God designed all of creation to function, and you look at what Babylon has taught humanity to do, if you look at it with the eyes of the spirits of God, you see that human beings, there's something wrong with their heads, amen? But we, because we're used to this culture of rebellion against God, because we're used to, even we as Christians, We've adopted it, amen? And even when someone comes with a contrary view, we want to kill him. It's, it's, it's what happens, amen? We, we, like, we like the tombs of prophets. We like them when they're dead. We, we, like, we, we love them. The one I'm saying is clear. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's encouraging. <laughs> For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep. I've said this before. God cannot pour out on anyone the spirit of deep sleep, amen? The spirit of deep sleep is worldliness, Amen? God cannot pour that out on you. What instead happens that the spirit of God departs? Like remember what happened to King Saul, amen? The spirits departed, amen? When David was anointed, check. As soon as David was anointed, the Bible says, then an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. It wasn't that God sent an evil spirit to Saul. It was that when the oil was taken from Saul and put on David, that vacuum, there was no more light there, right? And when there's no light, what do you have? You have darkness, amen? If you check, it wasn't actually God that even took the spirits away. Saul rebelled against the spirits of God. If you check his actions, he did not care, right? He said, does the Lord have delight in sacrifice as much as in obedience? He says, stubbornness is like witchcraft. What does witchcraft seek to do, right? To pollute the pure stream of the spirits of God. So Saul was driving the spirit of God away, amen? And that's, what, that's what's been pointed out here, okay? Some people are doing some things that is causing, all right, an outpouring of the spirit of deep sleep. And this deep sleep has closed their eyes, namely the prophetic. 
or the prophets, and has covered your heads, namely the seers. Okay. And the whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. Do you know what this vision is? The Bible says, when I pour out my spirit upon, upon um, humanity, upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, amen? Your, your old man will dream dreams, and your young man will see visions, amen? The Bible also says, write the vision and make it plain upon tablets. You know what that vision is? The scriptures, amen? The script of life, the scripture of truth. The angel that came to Daniel called it, amen? Basically, what I'm trying to get across here is this, okay? The life of the spirits of God is captured for us, okay, prophetically here, as a book, which if you receive the, the, <laughs> the cup of worldliness, that book of the life of God, even though that life is inside of you, child of God, you that is born again, you that has the fullness of God inside of you, you that is joined to the Lord that has one spirit with him, even though you are one with God, because of worldliness, that book, of the life of God inside of you is going to be sealed. And because of that, you are going to have difficulty living out the Christian life. It is happening in the church right now. You see a new born again Christian struggling with pornography, struggling with insincerity. It's not because they're evil people. It's not because they're bad. There is a culture intoxicating them, amen? And this culture is what those seven kingdoms of this world, amen? want to bring. Remember when they tempted Jesus? We spoke about that last week, right? They tempted Jesus and Satan told him, do you want to partake of the glories of this world? Then open up your faculties. Drink in fellowship with the seven kingdoms of this age, and I will give you their glories. Amen? God is saying the same thing to us. Do you want to live like Jesus? Do you want to live his life? Then present your bodies living sacrifices, right? and refuse conformity to this world so that you can open up your faculty so you can discern the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's keep this going, okay? So the, the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. Why is someone saying this? Because someone has this book inside of them and they're not able to tell what it says. That is the worst thing, amen? When you have the answer to all of your problems inside of you, but you cannot touch it. Isn't that what's happening with Christians right now? Christians are suffering from sickness and disease and they are dying, even though they have not just um, healing, they have not just divine health, amen? <laughs> they have God inside of them, amen? Okay, let's keep this going, hallelujah. I know, I know these things because I've gone through experiences, okay, where I know, I know God has told me what is inside of me, yet I find contra contradictions, amen, invading my soul. And I would have to question, how do we, and God would tell me, feast on my word, feast on truth, feast on my faithfulness, feast on the words I have said to you specifically. It is that diet, the Bible says the, the yoke, is broken by the unction, by the anointing. The other word there is actually fatness. So as you feed on the spirit of God, on the, on the unction of the spirit,
Hallelujah. Amen. Can everyone hear me? Thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay, good. So sorry, everyone. <laughs> I always thought it was always perfect. Uh, is that these moments when you're about to make like a... Okay, we just keep it going. Start recording. And they just took light. Oh, the warfare. It's so intense. Isn't this wonderful? This is encouraging. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, we'll just keep this going. <laughs> so I'm going to speak right now. The, the power is off, but... Um, Great. So everyone can hear. That's wonderful. Okay. Hallelujah. So I'm just gonna keep on going. Okay. I just realized I'm not even charging my laptop, but I think we have enough battery life to take us throughout the rest of this session. Hallelujah. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do though. So where did I stop? Yes. The unsealing of the book. I have the scriptures here. Yes. Give me one second, beloved, as the power comes back on. Hallelujah. Okay, I think we're good. I think we're good, right? The power is back on. So we trust the Lord to keep this going. Uh, let me see my internet's still out. It, it just magically came back on. <laughs> That's so fun. Okay, we'll keep this going. Hallelujah. Okay, so where did I stop? Yes, I hope everyone understands, okay? This scroll of the book of life, amen? <laughs> is the life of Jesus Christ that we're meant to live out. Amen. And because of worldliness, amen, our, our, you know, when the Bible talks about reading the book, the reading of the book of life is not that you are going to call out, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not cheat. Amen. No, it means actually living it out. Does that make sense? So, if I'm able to live like Jesus, it means I'm, I'm reading the scroll. I'm reading that book. Does that make sense? It means the book has been unsealed to me. So the ability to read the book of life is not, we're not talking about being able to understand a language. Amen? We're not talking about being able to, to um, interpret tongues, for example. We're talking about the ability. So for example, let's say now in that scroll, it is captured. Let me give an example of what, what we're talking about here, okay? In that scroll, it is captured, right? that you should love your enemies and do good to those who despitefully use you. Do you know what that means? That, that alone will let you know how serious this thing is. You, you, you can't manufacture, for example, now. You know, love is a wonderful place to cap this thing in because it is, it is so dear to the heart. I want to say so dear to the heart. 
love must come out from the heart, basically. There is no getting around the fact that things need to change. There, there is no, a beautiful place to show whether you changed is your love walk, amen? When someone has offended, when someone has done something horrible to you, amen? Or when you are in dire need. You know, there's a way, way love walks, works. It's not just when someone hurts you, okay? When you are oppressed, amen, and you need something. And that thing is in front of you, but it presents to you some form of compromise. Amen? That is when the book is now open. I read it, oh. Read the book. What does the book now say? Thou shalt not steal. <laughs> you know, no one, no one is a thief. When, you're, when you have a lot of money, there's food everywhere. Amen? When the air conditioner is working, hallelujah. When everything is fine, why would you want to steal? You can even make it seem like I'm not one of them people. Amen. It is well when the chips are down. <laughs> Who gets what I'm saying? Amen. That is when the scroll has to be read, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, we'll keep this going. <sighs> so I hope we can see from everything we've read so far. Let's go back into our little Bible study here, okay? So I hope you can see here that what makes the book sealed is actually a specific spirit. Do you know that what unseals the book is also a spirit? And the way you know this is when you look at, I often use the sixth seal as a reference, okay? Let's look at what happened when the sixth seal was open. Revelations chapter 6 from verse 12. I looked, when he opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. That should give you a clue to what it is. Where do you see these events captured in the Bible? If you're a good Bible student, what should come to your head is the book of Joel, chapter 2, when the Bible says that in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's take a look at that scripture. Joel chapter 2 from verse 29. Okay, let's start. For, yeah, we can start, start right here, okay? It shall come to pass afterwards, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons should also prophesy. Your old men should dream dreams. Your young men should see visions. On the men's servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Are you seeing this? What, why am I showing you these scriptures, okay, where spirits are involved, amen, with, with, with um, unsealing the book? I'm going to do one more process, okay? Because the, the final thing is seeing what happens in Revelation chapter 7, immediately after the sixth seal is open. Because immediately after the sixth seal is open, it says in chapter 7, and I, I, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth and on the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel standing from the, from the east, having the seal of the living God. Having the seal of the living God. And later on, you begin to hear the number of people that were sealed. Amen. The Bible explains in Ephesians chapter 1 that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise when we first trusted in the word through the gospel of our salvation. Hallelujah. What am I saying here? If after the six seals were opened, all right, people were sealed, 
and the way people are sealed is by the Holy Spirit. That suggests to me that the seals have something to do with an outpour, outpouring of the Spirit of God. If the sixth seal being opened, okay, corresponds, okay, the signs of the, of the things that happen after the sixth seal is opened are the same things that happen after the Spirit of God is poured out, that should tell me that the seals are measure of the Spirit of God. If the Bible is telling me that the book is sealed to people that do not have the spirits of God, but it is unsealed to those that have the spirits of God, then each of the seven seals are outpourings of the spirits of God. Can everyone see that? So the six seals are not some cosmic event that happened at some point in time in the past. The unsealing, amen, of the scroll in Revelation chapter six and seven and eight are measures of the spirits of God that people who make the decision to, you make the decision to partake. Many are called, few are chosen. You have to make up your mind to dine with Jesus. Remember what he said before? Behold, I send a door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, let him open up the door and I will dine with him and him with me. Isn't that what God invited them up to do on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 24? When God called him up in Exodus 19, he called him up for organic priesthood. And an organic priesthood was actually dining with God. We see a snapshot of that in Exodus chapter 24. I'm, I've read that before, right? Do I need to show that to us again? Amen. Exodus 24, when they saw God on Mount Sinai. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says here, Moses does his ritual and everything they're able to, you know, the blood gives them access. And in verse nine, the Bible says here, the, Moses went up, also Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and this is what they came for. They ate and they drank. Amen. They feasted on God. Amen. This is what the seven seals are. Amen. And the seven seals are delivered only to believers that will make up their minds by whatever means. Someone says because they encountered God, they had an encounter with God. Okay. Someone said, me, I think encounter God. I pursued after God. Okay. Whatever the case might be, you have, you as a child of God, to be counted as one of these individuals. You have to make up your mind to feast on God. These are life goals where you make up your mind. And I, I want to make sure I'm explaining what feasting means, amen? Because the mindset, what might come to our mind is that we just keep on reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. And yes, you want to be reading the Bible, reading the Bible. That is obviously, obviously, that is at the very base level what must be happening. Word for now, amen? <laughs> amen, okay? But apart from reading your Bible and prayer, amen? You know, oftentimes I'll make reference to the fact that, you know, um, what, what is actually happening when we engage in these spiritual activities is that we are looking for how to get God's word into our heart. Or specifically, we want the spirits of God is really what we're actually looking for, the spirits of God to enter our hearts. But the spirits of God is already on the inside of us, right? He's our one spirit with God, right? In our spirit, man. And he's already pushing that divine life force, right? That life force of God on our souls, that divine influence on our souls. And that's what happens when you get, first get born again. You stop drinking, you stop smoking, you stop committing fornication, okay? All that's because of the divine influence exerting himself on your soul. But there's a limit to how far he can go because the soul has already formed agreements, partnerships, covenants with dark entities. With what? What we just read about, right? 
the intoxication of this world, the, the drowsiness that covers the prophets, the heads of the, your heads, mainly the seers, and your eyes, mainly the prophets. Remember what we read in um, Isaiah chapter 29? Amen. Because of what? The civilization of this world. When a child of God has been indoctrinated by the civilizations of this world, you will tell God to stop. Just like the prince of Persia told that angel to stop. Amen. It doesn't matter the agency of God that is coming. If you, as a child of God, make up your mind to accept the traditions of this world, the Bible says you make the power of God, you make the word of God of no effect by your traditions, by your culture, by your lifestyle. Some lifestyles hinder, they fight God. The Bible says if you, if you love anyone that loves this world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, it's not like... It's not like when you love this world, when you see God, <laughs> you spit on him. Or you're looking for how to burn Bibles. And if you see a Christian somewhere, you hide behind, behind the wall and you're throwing stones at them. Get you for wicked people. That's not what's happening, okay? <laughs> when you love this world, you will not be interested in, the feast, in feasting on God. That's all that's going to be happening. As a child of God, there, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a verse I love in the book of Proverbs 27 verse. Let's, let's open that verse, okay? Proverbs 27, I think it's verse 17, 14, 7. Oh, no. Yes. Proverbs 27, verse 7. I remember this. When I first caught fire for God, God showed me this verse. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. Now, this is a principle the Bible is showing us here. Okay, When everyone comes into this world, every individual comes into this world is hungry, right? Your soul is empty. You're looking for what to feast on. Right. And so what happens? I went if child is first born. I explained his dream of Kizadek school and through different other broadcasts. OK, you are just being bombarded by information, humidity, air pressure. Um, um, what should we call it? Um, sounds, light. Right. Even your internal body operations are just all hitting you at the same time. And you have to make sense of everything. You don't be bombarded and you're able to receive all of that because your soul is empty. You have no memories of anything else. So you're forming memories, right? And through those memories being formed, your soul begins, um, it's, it's, um, as it begins to go through stage of development, it forms an intelligence on how to, you know, schedule and place and, you know, sort through all this media that's heading your way, okay? At that point in time, whatever you introduce the soul to, it's just going to take because it has no gauge of what is right and wrong. If you tell that soul that nicotine is moving forward, it can receive nicotine. If you tell that soul that weed, or LSD or heroin, right? You have mothers who are pregnant, they're, they're smoking, um, they're basically like, yeah, they get on, on heroin. And then when their children are giving birth to, their children are, hallelujah, okay? So um, um, that verse of scripture says this, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. The hungry soul is the, first, is the person, right? That is just giving birth to, you just came into the world. So every bitter thing is sweet while you are hungry. But here's something. When you eat and you are satisfied, then when the thing that will give you true nourishment comes, you'll be disinterested. You might not even say, I loathe this thing. The Bible is particular about the word loathe because God is speaking from a place of jealousy in that verse of scripture. You know, when, when um, a girl, let's say, you're, let's say you love a girl, okay? And the girl loves you back, okay? But then... You know what's happening in today's world now? <laughs> one man cannot just be tied to one woman. You need multiple women, right? And so you find another one to add to your, to your deck of cards. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And maybe you are ace of spades. 
<laughs> this time around. Amen. Then your maybe your five um, five diamonds is not is not finding it very very. She's not happy. She feels like she's been hated. Remember what happened with Rachel and Leah? Amen. Bible says that Leah was hated. It wasn't like she was hated per se, but she wasn't loved. Does that make sense? This is very important because that's how God feels when we're enjoying this world. And when I say enjoying this world, we are, you don't have to be going, partying, and drinking to be enjoying this world. Anything, just hear me out when I say this, okay? Anything that is taking you away from feasting on God is the civilization of this world. Because that thing will satisfy you. And when you are satisfied, you will not want God. You can fake it all you want. You know. That's why we need to go on shut-ins. That's why we need to go on fasts. That's why we go on retreats. If you're not spending time with God in isolation, I'm, I, I assure you, you're not fe- something is something. You're feasting on something. Amen. This might be a precursor um, to um, what would happen the next time we get to share on this. Amen. The Manchild Company, they had to go through the painful experience of denying conformity to this world to feast on God. Amen. If you do not sign up for that, if you don't subscribe, amen, to that discipline, if you don't prescribe, <laughs> honestly speaking, there is no getting around it. When I say there's no getting around it, if you want to look like Jesus, if you want to go to heaven, and you don't have to say, me, I just want to go to heaven. You don't have to say those words. Your actions, right? The Bible says that those that do these things, they plainly declare. So your words are not what you say with your mouth. Everyone in a worship service, I would worship you forever, love you forever, because this God is too good. Oh, okay. That's a beautiful song, right? And you have people that are politicians that are killing people for, for office singing that song. You have people that are, are you see a, a, an employee of yours who sing that worship song in church. The next day, when you, when you ask them to go and buy you something, they will go and use that money you gave them and steal some out of it and change the price on the receipt. Who gets what I'm saying here, okay? It's not the singing of the song. It's what you do with your life. That's what I'm trying to get across here, okay? You can, you can sing all you want. That's beautiful. That has its place. You sing and you sing and you sing and you sing because you're trying to get those, those, those lyrics, usually framed by the scriptures, to slide into, you know, in through your channels, to sit on the thrones of your soul, right? To go through the gateways of your heart, right? That's your desire when you're singing so that you can, you can obey, so you can live out that life. I do the same thing. When I'm struggling with something, I sing to God. I sing boldly. I sing with understanding. And I sing almost contradictory to what I'm doing because I need to get myself to believe what God is saying. That is me feasting on God right there, right? Hallelujah. But make no mistake, amen? <laughs> if you are not feasting on God, worldliness, just understand. There is no, there is no middle fence if you are not feasting, I'm going to say it again. You can deny this all you want. If you are not feasting on God, it is because of worldliness. I'm going to say it again. You can deny it all you want. You can be in a ministry position. You might even be a pastor of a big church. If you are not feasting on God, it is because of worldliness. Amen. Hallelujah. This has nothing to do with our anointings or our giftings. Many people 
that's our, our what should we call it? Going to be uh, most people that are, I can't remember who it was now. I think it was, um, was it Bob Jones or Paul Kidd? Paul Kidd had an experience. He went to the heavenlies and while he was there, a man approached him and this man began to talk to him. Now, as soon as this man began to talk, he could feel the man's authority. And he was like, Jesus, who is this man? As the man opened up his mouth to speak, he could just tell that this man covered real estate in heaven. Basically, not, not that statement when the Bible says, um, his voice was like the sound of many rushing waters. The real estate in Christ that you cover, amen? That is your journeys in Christ that you cover, amen? The, the people groups, okay? When you speak, you are speaking for all of them. So some people, they have the sound of a million voices. So when they speak in heaven, their voice is loud. Someone says, all of us are the same before God. That when all of us are praying, uh, we we'll all get answers. It is very true. Amen. I'll recommend to you. Yes, 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 yes. I'll recommend you, child of God. Amen. If you believe that all of us are on the same platform, then feast on God the way those people who are doing those things are feasting on God. When Elijah prays for five minutes, something happens. Amen. Some people, they will pray for days. Nothing is happening. It's a, fun, it's a fun story. A man was praying for his community and he was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And then one night, I think he was just tired or something or whatever. I can't remember. Maybe he came back late from work. And then the Lord, Spirit of God now alerted him. Get up now. Get up now. Get up now. Go now to your window, to your, to your front door. Came out to his front door. Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, now begin to declare every single thing you want to see in your neighborhood right now. So he declared everything he wants. He said, no more crime. No more this. No more that. I want people to be seeking God, loving God. I don't want um, the birth rate to be this high. Da, 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 da. He went through everything. The very next morning immediately everything that he said began to swing into effect one by one. This thing happened and this thing and this thing and that thing and that thing. And so after like about a week or so of seeing all these things happening, he began to wonder, why are they happening so quickly? Lord, what is so different between nights of prayer I prayed before and just now, when I, like this few days ago, when I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I said those words, the Lord told him, he said, my son, Lester Summer was passing by. So because Lester Summer was walking by this guy, his words, not even his prayers, just his words, his declarations had weight. <laughs> Who would you rather be? Would you be the one that because you're passing by, you are, you are increasing the electoral, electoral vote count of your fellow believers? Or you want to be the one that when someone is passing by, your vote is being increased? <laughs> Who do you think has more weight in the realm of the spirit? Hallelujah. We don't make these decisions, amen, by saying, God, I want to be one of them. Though. You, don't, you can say that and not do anything about it. Does that make sense? Some things have to be done. Amen. What has to be done? We have to feast on God. Amen. We have to feast on God. And the primary place where the feasting and dining happens in the Old Testament is on the mountain. Amen. On a, they would go up physically to a mountain. There had to be all these rituals and all these things done. In the New Testament, God has done all the rituals. Can't tell what the mountain is. The mountain is inside of you. Amen? The kingdom of God is within you. That feasting with God that they went to climb on my side to do, right now it is in your bedroom. Go into your bedroom and shut the door. You guys are disciples. Go on. God that sees you in secret, he will meet you. He will speak with you and reward you openly. The open reward is that Christ be manifest in and through you. Amen? Why am I saying all these things? Because I've not gone to the trumpets yet or the bowls of wrath. Amen? I just wanted to make sure that we understood that this invitation to feast on God, amen, 
is actually something that is spread out all throughout the scriptures. Amen. If we neglect it like Israel did, we will settle for mechanical, orthodox, lifeless priesthood where the priests are dying. Unlike someone like Moses, even Aaron, the first high priest, he could not die with his robes on. They had to take the robes off of him. Then he died. Remember that story? Amen. Why, why did that happen? Because he had already, technically he should have died already, but because he was wearing all of these priestly garments that were heavily dosed by the Shekinah glory, the little exposure that he had, because he was part of the people that, he was with Moses when they were anointing the temple, the, the tabernacle, and the Shekinah glory first flooded that place. So because of that, all of the things he was wearing, they were all charmed with power, and they were sustaining him. So God said, this guy should have died by now. We need to relieve this man of his duties. So they had to take all of these things off. And as soon as they took all those things off, all of the power that was sustaining him left. And then he gave up the ghost. Amen. But Moses, amen, who had organic priesthood, you could not take his own priestly robe off. Are you listening? Moses could not die. In fact, let me show you how, how Moses died in the Bible. We'll end with this. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, it is in Exodus chapter 32. Thank you. Sorry, 33, right? When God said, I would not, you cannot see my glory and live. Yes, 33. Come on. Yes. So let's start from here. Okay. Um, the Lord said to Moses, so Moses was basically fighting with God. You've been asking me to do all these wonderful things. Um, you've been asking me to do that and to do this. And <laughs> Moses was hungry for God. That's the truth. Amen. And if you read the, just I encourage you to go read, read Exodus 33. Okay. In your free time after this is done, before you go to bed, read Exodus 33. And look at the hunger of Moses, the man that went up to the mountain to be with God. Amen. The song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, you see in the book of Revelations, chapter 15. Amen. Is sung by only the, by the people that went up to be with God on the mountain. Oh, my dear. Uh, it is well. Amen. So Moses asked the Lord, um, show me your glory. Amen. And God said, um, um, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I'll pro proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I'll be gracious, I'll be gracious, I'll have compassion, I'll have compassion. But you cannot see my face and live for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said to him, there is a place by me. Hmm. I will put you in the cleft. Can you see that? The cleft of the rock. Can y'all see that? The cleft of the rock. Okay. That is Exodus chapter 33. With the actual verse. Exodus 33. The very last, second to last verse, right? Yes. In the cook, okay, it's called Clifton. My old school King James Bible. <laughs> there we go. I was wondering why on earth it wasn't. I was searching for it the entire time. I was wondering about the wrong verse. Amen. Now, if you look at where Moses died in the Bible, do you know where Moses died in the Bible? It was in that spot. Check your Bible. When this is finished, I want to give everyone this assignment. Amen. In your free time, if you have free time, I'm sure everyone has free time, right? <laughs> you, you, have, you have to eat dinner. So while you're eating dinner, I encourage you to open up your Bible and find out where Moses died. Do you know where Moses died in the Bible? In this place where he saw God. That was, so what happened? God told him, you cannot see my face and live. Remember that? So you know what happened? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
I'll let you, I'll let you guess what happened, amen? Moses wanted to feast on God. He wanted to experience God, amen? If you read the narrative of Moses, you will see someone that, the Bible said that God spoke, Moses spoke to God face to face, the man speaks to his friend. Moses loved God. When I say Moses loved God, I, mean, I know what I'm saying. Moses was not just a, a special, he was a special child because God saw, by foreknowledge, he saw, this one is crazy about me. Can we be crazy about Jesus? Can we be crazy about the Holy Spirit? Amen. This is the invitation set out for us in the seven feasts of Israel. Passover, when we first get born again, is an invitation from God to come and feast on Jesus. There's unleavened bread, there's first fruits, there's Pentecost, there's the Feast of the Trumpets, there's Day of Atonement, and ultimately there's the Feast of Tabernacles. Right now we are in the fall feast, the one we already um, experienced with Shoshana, the Feast of Trumpets, amen. We are yet to experience the Day of Atonement and we are yet to experience the Feast of Tabernacles. Beloved, during this time period, I want to encourage you to make sure you are feasting and you are dining on God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us, beloved. This is Word for Now, amen. Um, Pastor Francis Seaborg sends his love and his greetings. Hallelujah. This is Word for Now. And so far, we've been on this trajectory um, following up to our Ecosystem of the Days to Come Open Heavens Conference, um, leading up to our recently concluded um, Watchmen Prophetic Conference, um, Christ the Blueprint of Future Ages. I hope that this time together this evening encourages you to go and spend time with the Lord, to lock yourself up if you need to, to forgive that person you need to forgive. Amen? To do those things the scriptures tell you to do. I really hope you were blessed by this. Oh, we thank God. We thank God. Amen? So I want to encourage you, feast on the Lord. Amen? Take time out and enjoy Jesus. God is not a bore. God is not a chore. It is worldliness that is the boredom. What happens is that when you bring worldliness into God's presence, you things are revealed for what they are. And that's what happens when people are distracted when they're engaging with God. They're not able to enjoy God because what they're experiencing is actually worldliness. What's in darkness, when God is not there, worldliness seems appealing. It is not true. Amen? So I want to encourage you again, spend some time with Jesus. Enjoy his presence. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Jesus loves you. Have a blessed night. <laughs>